Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. Tell you to pursue what first pursued you and it will then pursue you again. Pursue what first pursued you and it will then pursue you again. Okay, let me let me let me verify what this means. Jesus came from heaven, and when he came from heaven, it was in a pursuit for you. What the Lord is saying to me to tell you today is when you begin to pursue what first came from heaven to pursue you, the consequence will be him and heaven then pursuing you again. Pursue the one that first pursued you, and it will pursue you again. So let me say it like this. Pursue the one that first pursued you, and he will pursue you again. Jesus came from heaven in a pursuit for you. If you will then begin to pursue him, okay, just as the prodigal son pursued the father's presence, the father's presence, then when he saw him close enough, began to pursue him. We've got to understand that if we want Jesus to come and overwhelm our lives, we've got to begin to pursue him again so that he will then pursue us as a consequence. Where, where, where is all of this Jesus that we talk about? It, he, it, it, it is. It's there. It's everywhere. But there is something that initiates the manifestation of the presence of Jesus, and it's his people pursuing Jesus. What initiates the manifestation of the presence of Jesus? It's his people pursuing the presence. So I say this again. Pursue him who first pursued you, and he will pursue you again. The consequence will be him and heaven coming down into your world. Amen? That's a word That's a word I believe from the Lord. I, uh, and I don't say I believe as in it could or it might be. I believe that's a word from the Lord. And it's a word for you. It's a word for me. It's a word for us. My prayer has been as of late, uh, Father, let, release your river. And I believe that the Lord is beginning to open up floodgates. And listen, again, to encourage you, the guy and dot did not start out the way that it is just a couple of miles down the road. Okay? There was tributaries, like we've talked before, that come together to make the collective accumulation of what we call the Gyandot. So, listen, don't be discouraged because what you see now just isn't what God has, begin, what God has placed in your heart that you will see in the future. Because, see, there's, there's some things that have got to take place, okay? There's got to be the accumulation. There's got to be precipitation and accumulation. And then therefore then when we understand that when these things come together, then vision and dreams will begin to come to pass and fruition. So my encouragement to you is don't be discouraged because right now it looks like a little stream. Every big river started out with a little stream somewhere, okay? I know, and we're not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about numerically I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about being able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm talking about being able to speak into your circumstance the perfect climate and environment in which you hope for and it coming to fruition and pass, to pass. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about prosperity. See, this is really what I believe that the Lord is wanting to say today. If the preachers and the pastors will quit preaching the word of the people and start preaching the word of the Lord again, 
things would happen. You know why we preach the word of the people? Because I want to put some things together. I want to draw things out of the Bible and put them together and show you scripturally where you can put your finances or get your finances back in check. Okay, I can send you to an accountant, and any accountant in this world can show you where you're leaking through your finances, okay? okay I, and I can send you to, to Christian accountants that can put all this together biblically and scripturally. Okay, I, 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 can, I, can, I can write a book or give you a book on how to be a better you. And I'm not coining that phrase. We all know that there's, there's, a, there's a book out there, and it's called that, A Better You Now. You know how, here, let me see, I can, I can sum all this up. If you want to be a better you, be more like Jesus. End of conversation. If you want to be a better you, be more like Jesus. And if you want to be, if you want to be rich, be content. If you want to be rich and wealthy, be content. That's, that's the problem. Money answers all things, that's scriptural, but it's the love of money is the root of all evil. Guess what happens? When you are not mature enough to get a hold of the wealth that you're praying for, that wealth that you prayed for when you were not mature enough to receive it, then begins to make you prideful, it begins to make you envious, it begins to make you a lover of the money in which you thought was going to answer everything. And that's why, listen, I mean, I, I want every one of you to, to be... To be I don't want to say rich, but wealthy. But I'm not going to write a book on trying to bring together Scripture that makes... makes Because, listen, most of those end with a phrase somewhere in that that, that, that says, if, if you will sow into the man of God, primarily the one that wrote that book, then you will be, you will be blessed. Hmm? Don't sow into the man of God, sow into the purpose of God. That's really where we miss the point. What is the purpose of God? Not necessarily who is the man of God. What is the purpose of God? I don't believe that I am, I, that I, and I, I'm not going to say that I'm not the man of God. Obviously, I'm the man of God in this house. I'm the one that has been appointed to represent him to you and you to him. But this house has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with His purpose. And what is His purpose? His purpose is when it all comes together collectively. When the tributaries come together collectively to comprise the greater cause and the greater river. And guess what? What we've been teaching, that when everything comes together into the greater cause and the greater river, at that point no one can recognize or distinguish the, the, these tributaries. They're actually, I mean, at that point, irrelevant, but greatly relevant. They're at that point, the unimportant, but yes, most important. Why? Because at that point, it's the greater cause that takes precedence. But somewhere along the line, those, those tributaries that came together to fulfill the purpose. Once the purpose is fulfilled, the purpose is, 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 what is what should obtain our attention and our affection. But it should not cause us not to come together uh, communally and collectively. You, you understand what I'm saying? Who are you? You are a tributary to the purpose that I believe God has ordained and predestined for this church. Listen, I'll just be honest with you. Most of you know, and I've said it before... If, 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 I will say if the enemy and if men in position would have had their way, they would have shut this church down. 
honestly. There, I knew some guys that were counting their chickens before uh, ch- uh, counting their chickens before their, their eggs hatched. We're counting on some of you going and being members of their church when this one shut down. I'm telling the truth. But let me give you another word of encouragement. I believe that there's a treasure buried here that has caused God to set his affections on it. And I believe he has hidden you for a time that will come, that will, in, that will entice him. Or not necessarily entice him, he can't be enticed. But it will, it will cause him to respond in purchasing the landscape. And I believe that the land will be purchased for the glory and by the glory of God. Because there's something significant, specific, and there's something here that will fulfill his purpose for a community. Okay, don't be, don't, don't be discouraged because you feel overlooked. In 2017, we taught on David how he was called out of, of obscurity into legitimacy. Because it's the Holy Spirit that determines one's legitimacy. Okay, we all know the story. Samuel comes into the household of Jesse and says, I'm here to anoint of your sons a king. He brings all of, of David's sons and even, even the man of God says, surely this is the one. Because he looked him up and he looked him down. He looked at his stature and he looked at his qualifications and said, surely this is the man of God. But God had his eye that was one on one that was hidden in a field of obscurity playing a harp, okay? Not, not, not yielding a sword. This kid was playing a harp. He was not the pastor of a mega church. He was not the pastor of a predominant church. This kid was watching over a few sheep that belonged to his father. They were not even his sheep. Neither are you mine. You're the father's sheep. I'm just been appointed your shepherd. But every sheep in the fold carries a tributary within themselves that when they come together collectively begin to attribute to the greater cause can you preach like me maybe not right now but you will can you hear from the Lord like I do maybe not now but I guarantee you you will if you'll just incline your ear is he talking to me no he's talking he's talking to all of us when he talks to me he talks to you but I guarantee you that he's not just talking to me he's talking to each and every one of us and it's up to you and myself to have an ear to hear Am I, am I more qualified than you? No. No. Because I have an ordination. I have a slip of a piece of paper that says I'm ordained. But you have scripture that says before you came out of the womb, before he even formed you in the womb, before you came out, he ordained you and sanctified you a prophet of the nations. So you have it in black and white by the word of the Lord that he knew you and that he created you for a specific purpose. We've got to understand there's purpose. There's purpose in each and every one of us. And the purpose is pursuit. When you begin to pursue the one that first pursued you, he will then begin to pursue you again. Chase the river. When you chase the river, the river will begin to chase you, okay? Let me explain this. Point A is Jesus. Point B is also Jesus. 
you come from point A with a with a predestined with a predestined order. He preordained you and predestined you to come out of point A, which is Jesus, and run towards point A, which is or point B, which is Jesus. And once you find point B, you find point A because they're one and the same. That's hard to figure out and kind of hard to fathom. But listen, you came from Jesus because he. There was nothing that was made that was not made by Him, including you. So He made you for Himself. You come from Jesus to pursue Jesus. When you pursue Jesus, Jesus pursues you. You understand what I'm saying? Again, what have I been saying? Your now and His now come together. Where's His now? It's at point B, A, and it's at point B. Where's your now? Everything in between. When we understand that Jesus created you for Himself to chase Him, He would then begin to chase you. And you would then begin to come together again collectively as one. What was my definition Sunday for intimacy? I'll give it to you. Intimacy is the relation of two separate entities, namely divinity and humanity, converging together within the greatest, within the greatest depths of one another to then emerge as one and the same. When humanity and divinity collide, what has been my definition for the church for the past eight or nine, maybe ten years, probably ten years? What has my, been my definition? That when humanity and divinity collide, what happens when two things collide at, the, at, at, at equal or greater force than one another? Let, let's take, let's, let's, if we will, if you will, if you'll entertain me, let's pretend that we had the ability to... Uh, shoot one car from point A towards another car from point B we, 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 we cause them to be projectiles going at the same distance in the same direction at the same speed and when they hit in the middle they would hit with such a collision that they would mesh together and you would never be able to accurately or adequately take them apart again They become one. Okay, in that sense, they become utterly destroyed and utterly unusable. But in the spiritual sense that when we come together in the collision with Jesus, we then become the greatest asset to the kingdom. When humanity and divinity come together, when they collide, and within that collision there's a meshing and a uniting of the two entities coming together as one. So, when, so what is the collision? It's intimacy. It's when we come together in the person of Jesus, which is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and then he becomes the fullness of the church. And as a consequence of him being the fullness of the Godhead bodily, being the fullness of the church, the, full, the church then becomes the fullness of Christ. Fullness, fullness. When the two, two come together, there is a consequence, and it's fullness. Him and us being together in a reality of fullness. Okay? What's... What, 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 what is the 
What's the greatest and the most common denominator in this equation of the absence of Jesus? Emptiness. The inability to receive what is being poured out. What, 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 what did I say a couple of weeks ago? When I started all of this, I talked about a conversation that the Lord and I had uh, upon the mountain behind my house. And I gave you some, some stuff that the Lord had given me. I, most of you know about the story uh, about the walnut hole. And then the Lord continued the conversation about what do you hear? And I said, I hear waters. And he asked me, said, how is it that these waters protrude from the depths of the earth when I stopped the rain days ago? I said, it's easy. They retain within the depths of the mountains themselves what you poured out upon them. He said, exactly. He said, and when the church will position itself to pour out upon, or with, to, when the church positions itself in a posture to receive within itself what I pour out upon it, then it will release from its bellies rivers of living waters. Amen. The mountains exerted nothing of themselves to generate the forest and release the streams. They simply received within them what fell upon them, Salah. I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read through my notes. That may be all I do today. Some of you, we may get through this quicker. When we allow the Spirit of God to saturate our being to the core, which is our heart, and out of the abundance of the heart will the mouth speak, and then the kingdom isn't in meat or drink, or but righteousness and peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit. Okay? When we allow the Spirit of God to saturate our being, our being and the essence of who we are is our heart. When we love the Lord our God with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, all of that translates pretty much to the heart. When we love God with everything that we are, there's a consequence. And the consequence is Him filling us up to the point that we overflow into the community. Thus, out of our bellies, those that believe. How many of us believe on Jesus? Okay, so you're just as qualified as me. I believe that the name of Jesus is the name above all other names, and there is no other name whereby men should be saved. I believe that Jesus came into this earth to pursue you and humanity because he left heaven and gave up all of the amenities of heaven to come to be born of a virgin named Mary, to live on this earth for 33 and a half years, die a horrific death, death on the cross, be buried in a borrowed tomb for three days, be resurrected, roamed the earth for 40 days teaching his disciples and those that he encountered and then he ascended into the right hand of the throne of God making intercessor for you and I daily that's what I believe and that qualifies me to allow rivers of living waters to spew forth out of my belly when I receive what is being poured out upon me within me there's a consequence of me overflowing and spewing rivers of living waters into my community why are we dealing with parched lands emptiness Emptiness. What was the notes that I gave you that I had written? I think it was September the 13th that the resource or the sources of our community have came from dry wells and that's why we were dealing with parched or desolate lands. But I believe there's becoming a day that when there will be no empty wells, there will only be wells and fountains that begin to spew up. There will be brokenness within the, in, in, in the core of who we are. When the fountains of the deep begin to break up and cry out, it causes a reaction that heaven will begin to open up its windows and pour itself into our reality and into our, our environment. And our communities will begin to flow and they will begin to flourish again. Come on, we're looking at parts dried desolate lands because there's been no rainfall 
And we still have men that are trying to preach and sound as though they're deep, but they're only sitting at the bottom of a dry well, and their voice echoes and reverberates uh, you know, throughout the region. And they sound deep. They sound like, it's, but it's only sound effects. They have no lasting effects. Come on. I really believe that there's a river beginning to flow and it's going to fall from heaven. I believe that there's a river that's going to begin to come through this place and it's going to begin to go into the community and into the atmosphere. And we're going to begin to see, the, the, we're going to begin to see, I believe, the church planted by rivers of water again. It will, it will flourish. Its leaves shall not wither. It shall produce its fruit in every season. And whatsoever it does, it will prosper. I, I believe we're going to begin to see the, 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 the church prosper again. Not because we have figured it out. Because we stopped trying to figure it out. There's only one answer to every problem, circumstance, and situation in the world, and his name is Jesus. And when I stop trying to figure out how to fix things and understand and believe that he already fixed it, then the, the necessity for what ails my community is intimacy, me in him and him in me. And out of me shall flow that river. His name is Jesus. <laughs> if we would get out of the way and trying to quit figuring out, if we quit trying to study psychology for me to understand how his mind thinks. He knows. It would be nearly impossible to figure out how his mind works. But I know also that he carries the mind of Jesus. And if I would quit trying to worry about him and you and everything that goes on in this community and try, listen, I know this is anti-church growth, but I'm telling you right now, how has all of that helped? Listen, I've seen people that, that, that claim they were going to go to the ends of the world and help drug addicts and drive right on down this holler. And y'all know what I'm talking about. The, the, this county is the greatest mission field for drug rehabilitation or the greatest light, the, the, the mission field for people to get a hold of Jesus and Jesus to get a hold of the demons that torment them and for us to see a delivered people set free from the curse of the pharmacia. The Lord spoke to me several months ago and he said, isn't it funny how people will boastfully declare and decree that they'll go to the ends of the earth for the sake of my name and the gospel and drive right past their neighbor. Mm, I'm preaching. Walk right past my neighbor. Hmm? But I need to schedule some flights. Because I'm, 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 not, I'm, not uh, I'm not quite there yet until I'm getting 
I'm getting people to schedule me on an airplane and booking me a motel room and booking me for a five-day conference. Then I've arrived, and then I'm actually going to win the world for the gospel's sake, and I'm going to win the world in Jesus' name. Yet, all while you're looking for them to schedule you flights and schedule you reservations in hotel rooms, you're walking right past your neighbor on a daily basis, and you're allowing the devil to absolutely destroy, rip, tatter, and shatter your community, but yet... You're called for the greater good. Hmm? You, you know what Mother Teresa said? It said, if you want to promote or do anything to promote world peace, you know what her answer was? Go home and love your family. Hmm? I used to believe that I had to sacrifice and neglect them because I was called to do greater things. But I was not called to do greater things apart from being the greatest father that I could be for them and the greatest husband that I could be to her. If I want to promote world peace and I want to promote world deliverance, I need to go home and be the same pastor, the same father, the same husband in my home as I am in this house. And quite possibly in some cases more so. I've seen men of God let, let the church run over top of their wives and tell their wives, oh, well, it's just part of, it just comes with the territory. Not, not, not in the gospel that I read. The gospel where I read says, wherever I put my foot, I shall claim it and it shall be mine. When I stepped my foot through those doors, there was not going to be any religious demon come against my wife without me having anything to say about it. Hmm? It's not going to come against her in my home. It won't come against her in this house. And I hope and pray that I had the opportunity to speak that word for your home. It will not come against you in your home because it can't come against you in this house. I pray that what we begin to understand, what we begin to believe here, it just carries over to what we do in our own home. Do we pray in front of our children? Do we talk about Jesus in front of our wives? Does our wives see us submit to Jesus the way that we expect them to submit to us? Are we leading our children in the ways that they should go? And when they are older, they shall not depart from it? Hmm? What are we doing in our own homes? What we do in our own homes ought to, it, it must and needs to be reflective to what we're doing here. And what we're doing here needs to reflect what we're doing in our own homes. Why? Because it's a flow. If you want the flow to come into here, you can't stop it here. You've got to understand that when Jesus, when Jesus releases the river, when he answers our prayers... Do you understand? I'm going to teach y'all something here a little bit. Let me go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. I told you I was going to read from my notes, but give me about 15 minutes. I'll go back to my notes. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, we use this. this. This has become, it has just become an anthem for 21st century revival. However, I see it a tad bit differently. 
Everything in verse 14 is telling the people that are called by God's name, which today would be the church, to get over themselves. I mean, if I was going to translate 2 Chronicles chapter, or chapter 7, verse 14, it would be uh, get over yourself. Humble yourself, pray, repent of your wicked ways, seek God's face, then his response is to heal your land. So what is the cancer that actually plagues God's lands? It's an unrepentant church. It's there. I'm not making this up. What, what, is, what, is, what is the requisite? What has caused such a moral decay in society? It's the rotting fabric which makes up the church. We only pray on Sunday mornings and when somebody's watching. We only serve Jesus when there's cameras in our face. We only serve Jesus when we push posts on our Facebook page. I'm so adamant about this. I don't have Facebook anymore. I don't need to, I don't need to convince you that I have a personal devotional relationship with Jesus. Come here, come here, Brandy. And race, bring them on up here. I don't, I don't, I don't do this either. I don't, I don't take vain narcissistic selfies of me and my wife and post pictures on Facebook to try to and try to convince you that I actually love her. Hmm? Why? Because see, there's 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 a consequence of a woman who feels that she is passionate, passionately and accurate, ac Adequately, come on, say extracurricular for him. <laughs> I don't have to paint that picture on Facebook because there's something about a woman who knows that her man loves her. Okay, I don't have to, I don't have to go and and take my social media eraser and erase out all the bad things that she said to me. Right? Brian knows where I'm coming from. And then try to override it with all of these wonderful things that I want you to believe goes on in our marriage. First of all, I don't have to exploit her or myself, our relationship, nor our intimacy. There's, there's, there's always a consequence that tells the tale. Okay, it, it, you can sit down if you want to. I know he's getting heavy. If she came in here Sunday morning, Sunday in and Sunday out, and you could tell that there was something bothering her, that she was carrying a burden, you could quite possibly make the presumption or the assumption that she is being neglected and she is being battered, maybe emotionally, spiritually, and, and, and mentally at home. And I see this all the time. She comes through those doors dragging four kids with a smile on her face. I had nothing to do with getting those kids ready for church on Sunday morning. She does it all herself. And when she makes it, she comes because there's one man that she wants to come and show her adoration to. And it's not me, it's him. It's Jesus. 
But I have to be the representation of Jesus in my home or she will never be able to adequately share her affections with Jesus in front of you. So I kind of sounded like I contradicted myself, but I didn't. There's got to be... There has got to be a relationship and, and a love affair in my home. A husband and a wife loving one another with all of their being and all of their might and all of their soul and all of their mind so that we can both come in here and adequately love on Jesus with all that we are. That's why, listen, and, and you, you know, you know that when somebody is being forced to play the role. I've been forced to play the role. You know who forced me to play the role? I did. Because I wasn't living an adequate or uh, I wasn't living an adequate devotional life of intimacy with Jesus, but I was coming in on Sunday morning and trying to fool you to make you think that I was. And I had to get practice at it throughout the day. So I had, to do, I, had to, I had to promote or exploit a relationship that I really didn't have on Facebook to make the world think that I'm a godly man and a pastor. So that when I came in here on Sunday morning, I had practice at trying to convince people that I was something I wasn't. Salah. That's what we do. That's the industry, not the ministry. Too many people who say they're called into the ministry are actually chasing the industry. Salah. There's a lot of Salahs in this sermon, evidently. Many who say they're called into the ministry are actually chasing the industry and not actually called into the ministry. You know how I know that men are called into the ministry? When they preach the name of Jesus, when their names are not necessarily promoted. If you would quit talking about me, would I keep preaching about him? Hmm? How many of us would do that in, in, in the industry? Keep preaching about the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus if our names suddenly stop being promoted. If they stop talking about me, would I keep preaching about him? I had to learn the lesson the hard way. He called me into the elusiveness. So again, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, say pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. Whose sins? Their sins. Who, who was there? The people that were called by his name and not the world's sins. It's funny, it's funny, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of predominant pastors get up there and slap themselves in the face and don't even realize they're slapping themselves in the face. You're pointing, your finger, you're pointing at the community with one hand, you're slapping yourself with the other. Because what's the consequence of the community being in the shape that it's in? I've always said this, a community that is in disruption is a direct consequence of a church plagued by corruption the corruption of the church is the requisite or the prerequisite for the disruption within our community listen how can I go out and preach the gospel of the prince of peace peace be still 
Peace unto you. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. How can I preach that gospel? When everything about my life is in turmoil. Everything about my life is being tossed to and fro as the waves of the sea. That's double-mindedness. Amen. That's those that want to believe in this instant, but don't really necessarily want to believe in that instant. Really, you know what that is? The, the greatest example of a double-minded man who should not expect to receive anything from God is those that aren't the same man out there or at home as they are when they stand behind this pulpit or on the platform. Those are the most double-minded people that we could ever, ever, ever experience or witness. They're the ones that are, teaching, are preaching you how to stand in peace and good cheer. That's the Animos winds versus the Numa winds. Rabbit trailing, I'm sure I know. <clears throat> Second, Corinthians, Second Chronicles 7 and 14 is... God saying, if you will humble yourself and pray, my answer will be the healing of your land. What was the, what was it that he was telling Solomon to pray for? Okay, 14 was, if this happens, this is the requirement. 13 was what, 13 was the, if this happens. 14 was the requirement. Okay, we'll say this, 13 was the requisite 14 was the requirement to overcome the requisite. What was the requisite of if my people were called by my name, they should pray? It was if I should shut up the heavens that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If I shut up the heavens that there be no rain. If I send the locusts to devour the lands, and if I send pestilence among my people... That's, that's the requisite of something. The sins of the people. If this happens, this is the requirement in which you must do. You need to humble yourselves and seek my face and pray. Turn from your wicked ways and I will forgive your sins. So I say all that say this. One of, one of, one of the things that God will do is he'll shut up the windows of heaven that there'll be no rain. Dry parched, pest, pe, dry, parched, famine-stricken lands come as a consequence of God shutting up the heavens that there be no rain. What is, what, what, what is 14? It's a prayer of humility and repentance so that God would then release the rivers again. What happens? Okay, when we speak to God, do we not verbally have conversation with God? Oh, God. Hear my prayer, my brokenness in my soul. So I begin to then project my voice to the presence of heaven, to the presence of God, which is in heaven and in us. But for the illustration's sake, if I begin to speak to him in the form of prayer, he then answers me. My voice ascends, his voice descends. My prayers go up, his answer comes down. Do you know what happens when his answer comes down? His answer comes down and it's in the form of the voice, okay? Can you, can you, can you just kind of visualize this with me? Imagine your prayer going up, him answering your prayer and his voice descending back down into your atmosphere. It has to, his voice is coming with the answer. 
Just give me one second. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Ezekiel 43 and 2. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice, say his voice, was like a noise of many waters. His voice was like what? The, the noise of many waters. Some translations say sound. I like to say sound because I think of noise as something being annoying. Just me. And the earth shined with his glory. The cause of our community being parched, famine-stricken, and desolate is because we have not sought his face out of humility. Do you know what keeps his voice descending into the earth? Is the bride's voice continually ascending into the heavens. Are you with me on this? Because a river does not stop. It's a continual flow. But the river himself can cut off the flow. The river himself can cut off the presence. But it's as a consequence of us cutting ourselves off from him. Amen? To get in the river means to get in the presence of Jesus. What does Psalms 46, verse 4 and 5 say? There is a river that's established. Then the word of the Lord says, uh, And the streams whereof will make glad the city of the Lord, or the city of God. That holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river that is established. The river is the tribute. The river is co comes together collectively as the tributaries that come together to attribute themselves to it. Then there is a place to where they collectively and accumulatively come together, and it is a holy place of the tabernacles of God, the Most High. God is in the midst of her, which means God dwells in her. What does, what does the Corinthian, Paul say in Corinthians? That God says that if you'll come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing, then he will receive you. And he will be your God and he will dwell in you. And you will be the, his tabernacle. He dwells in you, but it comes as a consequence of you dwelling in him. What does this mean? Point A and point B is the same and the one and the same. You being in Him and Him being you is one and the same. You can't be in Him without Him in you, and He can't be in you without you in Him. And I don't even make sense of this. It's like Matt Petrie says, I read that Matt Petrie says that the kingdom of God is inside out and upside down. It makes no sense to the intellect mind. Because if I throw a ball up, we all know in this room by the law of gravity what goes up must come down. In the law of, king, in the, law of the kingdom, there's one named Yeshua and the Bible says that he is all and in all. 
So he's up, he's down, he's to the left, he's to the right, he's in the north, the east, the south, and the west, he's in the beginning, he's in the end. He's the Alpha and the Oz, he is the Omega. He was dead, but he lives forevermore. He's the same yesterday as he was yesterday. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes because he is. He's in you and you were in him, and that's the way it was designed. And it was never designed for the earth to be absent of His presence. He created you and the earth to be that which He fulfilled His presence with. You. I'm just skipping around. I told you I was going to stay in my notes and I apologize. I haven't. Let's go to Ephesians. Chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 has been a very, very pivotal uh, chapter throughout scriptures for me in this year. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with, let's start with, uh, say, uh, we'll start with 13. I'm going to read all the way to 21. Chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Lord, our, uh, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, say strengthened, with might, say with might, by his spirit, say his spirit, where? In the inner man. Paul says, I would that he grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man. That the essence of who you are be joined and meshed with the inner presence of who he is. Him in you while he, you are in him. That you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled, say filled, with all the fullness of God. Guess what it says, what it goes on to say, now... Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power which worketh in, say in, me. Amen. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World. Without end. Amen. What's the number one most prevalent message we preach in the church? The world is about to come to an end. And, it, and, it, and it's, it, it's fear mongering. Is that, it's, 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 it's fear tactics. The devil's in charge. The demons are running rampant. And, and, and oh my God, if the church would just start to pray, Jesus would come back and fix everything. Let, let me fix some thinking here. Jesus says it's expedient that I go unto the Father. 
So we know that the person of Jesus in bodily form left the earth. But does he not say, because I go unto the Father, I will pray him and the Father will send you another comforter. So you've got to understand that Jesus never actually left. He just transfigured into a different presence. He went from the person of the Godhead, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and then the person of Jesus or the bodily form left. Jesus is most assuredly seated in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God on the mercy seat. But his presence is most assuredly in the earth. Most assuredly in the earth, most assuredly within the heart of the believer, most assuredly in the heart of the church. So it is, it is asinine for us to say it and pray for the return of Jesus when actually he never left. I've used this illustration before. If I go through those doors, you hear me get in my Tahoe or my Venza and leave, everyone in this room can say, oh, he left. Y'all may not be able to see me behind this door. But I'm not gone. I'm still here. My presence is still in this building. And I just reappeared. I never returned. I just showed myself to you again. Jesus never left. If he did, he's a liar because in his words, the ones written in red says he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he will with, be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. But we're sitting around moping and sulking in our misery saying, oh, if Jesus would come back. I was an I was a early born-again Christian when I said, I'm going to devote my life to this. I was sitting in a, a Bible study with a lot of men that I, re, I revered as greater men than me. And one of them said, you know what? I can't wait till Jesus comes back and raptures us up out of this world and leaves this old world to the sinners. And the Holy Spirit struck me in my heart like a hot iron and said, if Jesus would have had that same outlook and attitude. You wouldn't be where you are today. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Mm-mm, Lord, if this cup could pass by me, but not my will, yours. He would have said, Lord, I'm ready to come home. Rapture me on up, and I'll leave this old world to the sinners. That's not what he said, nor is that what he did. But yet we sit in our church pews. We sit behind our computer screens, and we talk about the, the, the negative and the evil in the world, and it's no wonders. Come here, Brian. And I'm not, I'm not saying Brian's like this, but I'm saying some of us are, especially in the church. We watch the news. And I'm not telling you to watch the news. I was, I was, I was in uh, the, Abbey, uh, the, the Abbey of Fair Lady Gethsemane in Kentucky, and one of those monks got on, uh, he was up there, 
He said, uh, he said, all you people say that the, the world belongs to the devil. It does not. And he just begins to encourage everybody. He said, us monks have 90 minutes a day. He said, what do you think we do with our 90 minutes of free time? He said, we view the Internet. He said, because what do we, we need to know what to pray for. Here, here's the contrast in that. We're looking at the, the negative and the evil on the news to confirm our rapture theory that God's got to come back. He was looking at the evil and the negative on the news so that he could pray and be God's voice of positivity and good in those evil situations. But this is what we do. All the world has gone to hell in a handbag. Yes, it has. It's bad. It is really bad. And Brian comes to me and he says, you know what? All I seen was those, those little kids starving to death. And that's bad. That's horrific. Come on. That's really bad. These kids starving in our community. And you want me to feel sorry about your marriage equality. I don't feel sorry that you can't marry your boyfriend, homie. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Anybody? I mean, come on. I just don't. I, I'm not sorry that you can't marry your boyfriend, homie. You see how I said that? Why? Because your neighbor's kids are starving to death and being sexually molested and abused. And you want come on. We want to prioritize sin. Okay, we need to prioritize what we, put, what we give our attention and affection to. Marriage equality isn't one of them. It's the little kids that don't have a voice in the matter. It's the girls that are getting pulled out of their bedrooms through a window by men that are going to sell her as a sex slave when they don't care one iota what happens to her. And they rush her to abortion clinic after abortion clinic after abortion clinic because she's no longer an asset to their income, pregnant. So let me say, I mean, look, I, he, he, he views the internet and the news and he comes and he says, oh, it's, it's bad, it's bad. And then I go over here and I tell Larry, it's bad, it's bad. And I tell Jimmy, it's bad. And he tells him it's bad. And he turns and tells her it's bad. And you know what? Before the end of the day, we all are convinced that it's bad. But we'll just sit here a little while longer and wait on Jesus to come back. Because it's... That's what we do. But he's had a change of mind the metanoia he's repented from you know what the, the, that's the wicked ways of the church to be more focused and attentive on the things that do not pertain God right Come on, if you ain't Democrat, you ain't American. If you ain't Republican, you ain't conservative. Listen, you can vote however you vote, but you better be praying to the one that is seated upon the throne and that will one day make all the kingdoms of the earth His kingdoms and of His Christ. And the earth will know the glory of the knowledge of God. We've got to understand it don't matter, Republican or Democrat. Who you vote for, King Yeshua?
So when he comes to me and he says, you know what, I was watching there the other day and it was really bad, but it, it provoked me to go into my private time and into my secret place and cry out unto God that God would then begin to manifest His glory into those situations. And He stimulates me to go into my private place and my secret place and approach the throne of God and say, you know what, if Brother Brian can see all the evil in the world and still pray for the glory of God to be manifested, I'm going to couple my voice with Him his and my faith alike with his and I'm going to pray for it too and I'm going to tell brother Larry I know it looks bad out there but my Bible tells me that the earth is going to be saved and that the earth will be converted I'm telling you that Spurgeon was saying the same thing I'm saying that Wesley was preaching the same message that I'm preaching I'm going to prove it to you you can sit down home fry John Wesley said this I've heard Matt Petrie teach on two of his spiritual sons. Uh, their last name was Coke and one was Asbury. And now there's all of these Cokesbury universities across the world where they teach theology. And... But he had so convinced these two spiritual sons that they could convert the entire world that they literally devoted their beings to converting the entire world. And this is what John Wesley said. But shall we not see greater things than these? Didn't Jesus tell us that we would? Yea, greater than have been yet from the beginning of the world. Can Satan cause the truth of God to fail or his promises to be of none effect? If not, the time will come when Christianity will prevail over all and cover the earth. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. That's what he's referring to here. That the glory, that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as does the waters cover the seas. He says, if not, the time will come when Christianity will prevail over all and cover the earth. And he says, he goes on to say, let us stand a little and survey this strange sight. A Christian world, man, I'm about to jump and shout. If I was a jumping man, I'd be jumping now. What, 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 what's, the, what's the scripture in, in Revelation chapter 4 that I, that I use a lot? Come up hither and I will show you things to come hereafter. You've got to understand that there's a now and there's a hereafter. But in the kingdom they're one and the same. I've been preaching about things that are, being, that are, are contrast of one another are actually one and the same. John Wesley says, let us stand a little and let us survey this strange sight. What is the strange sight? A Christian world. I believe that Jesus is calling some of us up to a higher altitude and a higher elevation so that he can see us. Yes, a Christian world that is now, but it is yet to come. And when I can see the establishment and the fulfillment of a Christian world, I will no longer feign or grow weary at the misconception that the earth has gone to hell in a handbag. That misconception will cause you to give up prematurely. That misconception will cause you to give up and to get out of the race when you were destined to finish and the finish line was just around the curve and you just didn't, didn't hang on long enough. Come on. Okay, your race... 
You may not be able to see it in the elevation and the altitude that you are now, but God's getting ready to raise you up into a higher elevation and a higher altitude, and he's going to begin to show you things that shall come hereafter, but are yet here now. They're one and the same. They're one and the same. I'm going to get my healing today or tomorrow, but I'm going to get it. I'm, 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 I'm going to get my blessing. It's coming. I know it is, and I'm going to wait here patiently. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What, what did Paul say? Oh, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in the inner man by his spirit. Be strengthened by might in the inner man or be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Come on, if you wait on him, there's going to be an expectation. If you wait on him, there's going to be a hope. That hope is going to be, he's going to breathe life on that expectancy and that hope and it's going to begin to come alive again and that's really what that's the necessity that's 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 the that's what is going to happen when i understand that the necessity for what ails my community is me in intimacy with him if i wait on him if i wait on him but i'll do nothing different i'm going to worship him and praise him today the same today as i will the day it comes because i know it's coming I know, I know that it is so coming that it is here now. I know because God is showing me things that will come hereafter, but I see them coming now. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Tell you what, he ain't coming. He's here. He's here. And the only thing that he needs to do is he needs to raise this, the, the altitude of our perception so that we can understand that he's here. And if he is, he, if he is here, then his world is here. What happens when I see the manifestation of this strange sight, a Christian world? It begins to come alive on the inside of me. Let me tell you something here. Your perception could actually mean your conception. Are you, are you listening with me here? I, uh, notice I said, are you listening with me here? Because I'm hearing the Holy Spirit right now. He's teaching me as I'm teaching you. The way that you perceive your reality may very well indicate how you conceive him on the inside of you. Your perception may actually be your conception. When a man knows his wife and she bears him a son or bears him a child, it's because through the perception there was a conception. When he came and seen her, he knew her. So your perception may actually be your conception. And it's how you view things may determine how you conceive things. How you view him may determine how you conceive him. Okay? Too many in the church do not perceive him as being a reality. So therefore they do not conceive him within their reality. It's how you see things. If you see things differently, you believe them differently. If you don't see things the way that I do, you won't believe the way that I do. Charles Spurgeon said, It would be easy to show you that at our present rate of progress, the kingdoms of this world would never become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. Let me say that again. For most of some of you, Charles Spurgeon has been long gone and dead. So I'm not preaching anything new. 
Listen to what Spurgeon says about this. It would be easy to show that at our present rate of progress, the kingdoms of this world would never become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. What's he talking about at the present rate of progress? The manifestation of wickedness and evil in the earth. Indeed, many in the church are giving up the idea of it except on the occasion of the advent of Christ, which, as it chimes in with our own idleness, is likely to be a popular doctrine. In my terms, one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away, is the wrong perspective and perception of what it means to be a born-again Christian. I compared the two hold hymns. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Two, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he says he is my own. I do not have to pass over beyond the wild yonder to be in the presence of Jesus. I need to be born again and he'll walk with me and he'll talk with me and he will call me his own and he will begin to reveal to me his heart for the earth, myself and even the society in which I live and if I believe upon the words of God then it is conceived on the inside of me and when they come to the fruition and the gestation of maturity I will birth what he has conceived on the inside of me it's all in how you see it I'm not aborting the dream that he has, he has conceived on the inside of me. I myself believe that King Jesus will reign and the idols will utterly, will the idols be utterly abolished. The Holy Ghost would never suffer the imputation to rest upon his holy name that he was not able to convert the world. The Holy Ghost would never suffer the imputation. We could translate that simply as the accusation. Let me say it this way. The Holy Ghost would never permit the accusations to rest upon his holy name that he failed in converting the world. The kingdom of God is not in meat nor drink. But it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I am in what the Holy Ghost is the Spirit. I walk in the Spirit. As I walk in the Spirit, I walk in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is in me, therefore, the authority of the kingdom dwells and resides within me. The kingdom of God is upside down and inside out. It don't make any sense to the intellect mind. But it will make sense to your heart because your heart used to beat in the palm of his hand. Come on. One second here. I'm going to share another scripture with you, and then I'm going to go on. Mm-hmm. Revelations chapter 1, starting with verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle of, that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord, on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now... 
again, I'm not even going to go there. There's something that I've taught that you can be in, in, in the reality of the earth and in the reality of heaven at the same time. Uh, John proves it. He was in, on the island of Patmos, but yet he was in the spirit, and he was called up into the heavens. So, but he heard a voice. Fifth, 15, he begins to describe that voice, and it says, And his feet like undefined brass, as if they had burnt in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. The necessity for what ails my community is intimacy. That comes through the form of humility, vulnerability, and giving myself to him in accessibility. The necessity for what ails my community is me in intimacy with him, giving myself in accessibility through vulnerability and humility. We view these things as weakness, but in my weakness, he's made strong. Come on. I'm preaching. I really, I thought I was going to get through this this morning, but I didn't. Sorry. I'm going to close with Ephesians. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 3, and then I'm going to close. But I am going to read this from my notes. Ephesians 16, 3 and 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with my, by his spirit in the inner man. The word there for inner in the Greek is eso, within, the internal inner man, the soul, the conscious. And I believe that it is referring to him being in me in the form of intimacy. That we would be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. That I would gain my strength by him being in me. Intimacy into me. Intimacy is the relation of two separate entities, namely divinity and humanity, converging together within the greatest depths of one another to then emerge as one and the same. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That's Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 23. Jesus then in Matthew 10 verse 4 says, Therefore what God has joined together let no man separate. When we come together in him and him in us in the form of intimacy, there's no separation. There's no, there's, there's no distinguishing or separating or determining a difference between the two because the two now come together as one. And when God brings two things together, namely the church and humanity and divinity, no man can tear them apart. I will be the first to admit the church has done things horrifically wrong, but I will be also the first to admit you better be careful attaining the, the, the reputation of the church because God's not coming back for a whore. There's men that evangelize and preach and taint her image and make her out to be a whore. But Jesus himself said, I will make her as holy as I am. When I come back and receive her unto myself, I'm coming back not for a filthy whore. I'm coming back for a radiant, beautiful, glorious bride. A perfect church. 
So men ought to be careful how they preach about the reputation of his woman. Because you call my woman a whore, I'm going to punch you right in the face. Just the way it is. Salah. Amen. 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 No need to go any further. If I won't let you call mine one, then you best be assured that he won't let you call his woman one either. Amen. <clears throat> Intimacy comes from a word that means the innermost. In John chapter 7 verse 38 when it says that out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living waters, that word for bellies is koilia, which literally means matrix, belly, womb, or heart. It means the innermost part of a man, the soul, the heart as the seat of thought, feeling, and choice. The innermost, the matrix, the belly, the womb, the heart. Out of your innermost will begin to flow. When the fountains of the deep cried out, the consequence was the windows of heavens being poured out. When the two came together, listen to this, the flood, from a religious perspective, meant judgment. The flood did not mean judgment, it meant grace. But grace appropriated wrongly, then reverts to judgment. It was intended to save the righteous remnant that had found grace in the sight of God and to purge and preserve and to purify the earth. Grace appropriated wrongly reverts to judgment. What happens when the fountains of the deep came together with the rivers that flowed from heaven, there was a consequence within the earth, preservation of a righteous remnant through grace. If we want our wicked land to be healed, then the cries within the innermost parts of our being, those rivers of living waters have got to spring forth and as a consequence cause the rivers of heavens to pour down. And when they come together, God will then begin to cover the earth with His grace and His glory. There will be a preservation of the righteous remnant. I want to be in the righteous remnant. John 17. I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that you deliver them and keep them from the evil one. Listen to those words. Do you want to be the preservation of the righteous remnant, or do you want to... Do you want to I mean, hey, whatever, man. Rapture or no rapture? The rapture theology has made us lazy. If I can just endure one more day, there's a chance that the Lord may show up tomorrow and rapture me on up into the cloud of glory and I can leave this old earth to the sinners and my neighbors can keep doing all the drugs they want to. I won't have to worry about it no more. I won't have to lock my four-wheeler up, honey, because I got riches in heaven that the, that the thief can't come in and, and steal and the moth can't corrupt. I won't have to lock up my car no more, my truck, because it don't matter. My neighbors can have it because I won't need it in heaven. I'm in the clouds of glory, amen? Yep, baby. That, that, that's our mentality, isn't it? Oh, we won't have to lock them church doors up no more, worry about our sound system getting stolen or hacked. It won't matter anymore. 
We'll be shouting on the, with voices and singing hallelujah when we get to the throne of Jesus. And we'll just, we won't even have a worry in the world about all those sinners. He loved them. Hmm? He loved them just the same. So when he is, when we are strengthened by, my, by his spirit in the inner man, I believe that this is the consequence of intimacy. It is him and the essence of who he is in the matrix, the belly, the womb, the heart, the innermost part of a man. No. No. Ephesians 3 and 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. The word for heart is cardia, which, which, which is regarded as the seat of physical life, the entire, of all, the entire essence of all physical and spiritual life. I believe the Lord is beginning to share his heart with the church, which is the essence and the center of all physical and spiritual life. That's significant for us because what is our road sign? Seven over four. Spiritual perfection presiding over the matters of the earth. Seven, spiritual perfection. Four, symbolic to the matters of the earth. Seven, presiding over four. I believe that this place has found favor in the eye of God, and he is going to send his heart into this sanctuary, and it is going to be the center and the seat of all physical and spiritual life. That's a prophetic word if you'll receive it. Soul, it is defined, cardia is defined also as soul or mind, as it is the fountain of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. We have to understand that as the scriptures say, that for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, Luke 6 and 45. Verse 18 says, but may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. I believe that we'll be able to comp will comprehend the whole scope of God's purpose and eternity. All things working together for his purpose according to Romans 8 and 28. We've got to understand that we use that scripture to make you feel good about all the bad things that have happened in your life. To make that scripture pertain to the person. But that scripture does not pertain to the person. No more than what I said about me pertaining to the purpose of God. We all pertain to the purpose of God. That scripture says that we know that he works all things out for the good of those that love him. According to his purpose. His purpose is what is fulfilled. Not me having good favor. Not me having a string of bad luck. And then God turning it all out to make it all right. It is for him working out his purpose purpose in the earth we got to do you understand that when we understand and know the scope of his purpose that when we will know the breadth the height the width and the depth of his love and his purpose we will know we will know there's nothing we will know And to know, verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge. It was just St. John of the cross that said, God cannot be known by the intellect. He only allows himself to be known by the heart. 
What is the heart? It's the innermost being of the person or the man. God's got to be rooted deep within your heart so that you could be rooted deep within the faith in Him and the knowledge of who He is. You have to know Him here in the innermost part of your being before God will ever know you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. We've got to know him in the innermost depths of our heart so that he can know us within the innermost depths of his. What is intimacy? Two separate entities, namely divinity and humanity coming together, converging as one in the innermost depths of one another to then emerge as one and the same. Coming together into the depths of one another. Amen? This, 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 we've got to understand that this thing is getting deep and I have to be willing to go deeper. Has anybody ever seen? We, we know that we can go up into uh, uh, Greenbrier County and look across the Greenbrier River and it looks like it's probably 300 feet wide. But most of, in most cases, we can walk across that river and not get in over our waist, right? How many of you have seen the video that, that uh, was, a, was a sensation on YouTube a few years ago where there was a kid standing at this pothole looked like it was in a parking lot and these other kids were videoing him and he thinks he's getting ready to jump into a pothole that is about three foot in circumference and probably three inches deep. Anybody seen that video? He jumps in and it takes him by surprise because it's way deeper than what he had first perceived and he goes in this pothole plumb over top of his head comes back out gasping for air and his buddies pull him out. Damon Thompson preaches that he would rather be a mile deep than to be a mile wide. I believe the Lord has said to me and has said to you, if you want to go higher, it first requires you to go deeper. And it requires you to go deeper into him so that he can then return and give you the invitation to come up hither. If we want to go deeper, if we want to go higher into the heavens, we've got to go deeper into the essence of who he is. Him in us and you in him. Come on. This, that, 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 that is the ticket of the pursuit to go deeper. I know. I've been here a long time. I know. Some, some of us have been here since before 10 o'clock. I know that. Verse 19, again. That you, may, that you may know the love of Christ that passeth all knowledge, that ye might be filled, say filled, with all the fullness of God. I believe that it means to be filled with the fullness of God. Which in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says. What is the hope of glory? It is Christ in you. I believe that it, it, it can be translated as in. As actually that the, the amplified version does. It says Christ in you and among you. I don't, I don't believe that it can be among you without being around you. So God in you which means God around you. So it is you in God and God in you. That's how that works. You see that? God in you and God around you, which means God in you and you in God. That's the hope of glory. Is Christ in you and around you. Yeah. Let's go on. Let me skip over here. If the spirit be not in your innermost being, which is the soul, it, the soul, will lose its direction. One will begin to purpose, 
begin to pursue solely selfish endeavors, purposes, affections, appetites, desires, passions, thoughts. They'll hear words from God, yet their God isn't Yahweh. Their God is actually themselves. Everybody remember what I taught about Adam? Adam didn't respond out of a carnal nature. He responded out of a soulish nature. I could, go, I could go real deep in here, but God breathed into him the essence of who God was became the very thing that animated the living soul of Adam. As long as Adam walked with the, soul of, with the Spirit of God animating his soul, he was able to walk within the presence and the will of God, the one that animated his soul. But when he began to be so prideful in and of himself, he then began to walk in his will and in the spirit of man, therefore caused him as a consequence or caused him to walk in the consequence of being in the absence of God and not in the presence of God. So if his spirit is not in the innermost being of you, your soul, your soul has a tendency to waver to the left or to the right and to, to uh, rebel against the will and the the. the, the the direction of God in your life. Amen. Verse 20 says, uh, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He is abundantly exceedingly within you. He wants out. Bill Johnson says that the Holy Spirit is in you and once out he is in you as a river and not as a lake. It is time that the church begins to pursue Jesus from point A to point B he is the generator and he is the receiver he generated you to receive you he created you for himself you were created for him to pursue Jesus out of point A to point B means that you find him in both places one and the same because everything everything revolves around Jesus Jesus being not only that which fills the universes according to the New Living Translation but he is the center of everything in the universe Amen. Everything in the universe pursues Him. We are to pursue Him, as does everything in the universe. He is abundantly, exceedingly within you. He is in you, the Holy Spirit, and He wants out, according to Bill Johnson. He is in you as a river and not as a lake. Him is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in us. And in verse 21, it says this, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The Holy Spirit is within the church, and in the church is the glory of God. In the church is the hope of glory, which is Christ in the church. And the church cannot remain, Christ cannot just remain within the church because he is wanting to be released within the community. There's got to be a flow. What did, what did Spurgeon say? That he was afraid that this theology and this doctrine of the rapture uh, mixed with our own idleness would become popular. I don't want to have to do anything and we'll sit back and say, oh, Jesus done it all. Yes, he done it all. But what he accomplished was you walking in the presence of who he is and that for his reality coming into your world and his world coming into your reality. Listen, let me, I'm going to get you go with this. What time is it? I know it's late. Ooh, 1.30. First one to holler out, my wife. 
Okay, listen, I'm going I'm to let you go with this. Out of the heart of the church, the bride, in love with her groom, will begin to flow the essential necessity for revival, a community born again. The reciprocal response for the bride loving her groom with all of her heart is Yeshua pouring his heart and his world into hers. Yeshua desire, desires, Yeshua's desires are to give his bride everything, which is simply all of him, the fullness, that which is all in all, and out of her bellies shall flow rivers of living water. There is a river, and the streams whereof make glad the city of God. That holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, and God is in the midst of her. And he shall help her. She shall not be ashamed. He shall help her, and that right early. We are in the midst of the river, and yet what generates the river is in the midst of us. There's a river, and that river represents Christ. There are streams, and those streams represent the churches and the individuals and the believers. And within the essence of those rivers or those streams and those churches and those individuals is the presence of Yahweh. We are in him as he is also in us. There's a reciprocal response of a woman loving her man, and it's her man loving her. There's a reciprocal response for a church that loves Jesus with all of their heart. It's the church receiving all of the heart of Jesus. All of the essence of who he is, and he is all in and all. He is the fullness, and so are we. I, I, let me, let, I can prove that, if you would like. Thank you for asking. Okay, Ephesians 1, starting with verse 21. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This present world and the one to come. My now and his now eventually coming together. But, going on. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Listen to what it says here. And hath put him put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What is the fullness of Christ? His body, the church, that which is the, that which is the, the, the church, uh, that the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The fullness of him that fills all in all. This bottle's not full. Most of us would perceive this one as being full because the seal is not broken, but this bottle is also not full. It is not full until it is running over. The church is not full of the Spirit until it experiences an overflow of the Spirit. And the community will never be revived until we release that overflow. Salah. Amen. Let's stand. I d let me make an announcement really quick. 
we are having church again tonight at Bellysville Community Center starting at 6.30. If you have an, a way or need a way, contact one of us or contact me, whatever, and we'll make sure you get there. But anyway, hey, we're having church tonight. Uh, just want to make that announcement. And uh, I think that's it. Would that be it? Anybody else have an announcement really quick? Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. God, as the sun arose on this morning, God, it was an opportunity that we could come into this house and come together as family, into this congregation and into this sanctuary. God, if we could come together and just make it all about you, God. God, that we could just make everything that we've done, every, every decision, God, every movement, every response, God, that we do today and have done here. We just pray that we've made it all about you, God, because these... These are so simple and so overlooked opportunities. And God, I'm grateful for the ones that most would overlook. I don't think that anyone of us come into this sanctuary on Sunday morning and overlook the small things that you do because there's nothing small in which you do. All things are miracles. As Frank said this morning when he stood up, he said, have you ever thought that today, you being here today, it was a miracle? And it is. Today is a miracle that I could take. Uh, I could take another breath and another step that I could come and come together with family and friends and fellowship in the presence of my Lord. God, I thank you for the small things that seem insignificant because I perceive them wrongly. And I repent for perceiving them wrongly, Father. I repent for perceiving them through the lens of the carnal. I, I, I repent, God, for not, for not perceiving them through the lens of the Spirit that all things are working together for your purpose. That each and every one of us are here today because you purposed it. And you had a purpose that should result from it. Father, I just pray, God, that you would lay your hand upon each and every individual here today. God, every family that is represented. God, lay your hand and show them favor and blessing upon each and every one that may download this podcast and listen. God, that we do all of this that you would receive the glory and not us and not I. Father, I praise you and I glorify you. And God, the name of Jesus also, because we know that it is the name above all other names. There is no other name like it. In Jesus' name, amen. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's Word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today